So how, on God's gray earth, did this... I wish that every kiss was ever-ending oh, wouldn't it be nice? And this... where we take a closer look at that one or two albums that stick out in an artist's discography like a sore thumb. Maybe their best album, or it may be their worst album. But either way, it's that one album where the artist was so preoccupied with whether or not they could, they didn't stop to think if they should. This week on the panel we have... Logan Reynard. Matthew Marr. My name is Scott Livingston, and this month on Detours and Outliers, it's the August of Summer, where we're going to be listening to Summer's quintessential band, The Beach Boys. So, um, some basic thoughts on The Beach Boys. I thought this was The Beastie Boys. Yeah, close enough. Oh. Yeah. The album, <laughs> the album cover. Ah. Uh, well, yes, I mean, not a greater thought about the Beach Boys, but the, this album cover looks like an odd future album cover or something. It's weirdly contemporary, like something that's knit on a pillow. Maybe. Yeah, I think oddly enough, it's actually created by Dean Torrance of Jan and Dean. Now, I'm not sure if it's an actual <laughs> cross awesome. stitch, but yes, uh, the, yeah, that yeah, is yeah. The, the designer of said cover. Yes, the first Beach Boys album we will be covering is 1977's Love You, which was initially going to be entitled Brian Loves You because it was going to be a Brian Wilson solo project. So I guess we'll start with Brian Wilson. He is the uh, the brains behind the Beach Boys, if not the face in front. I was going to say the, the, the Bare Naked Ladies. <laughs> you know, well, yes, yeah. the brains behind the Bare Naked Ladies. <laughs> He, this is mid-70s. Um, they'd, they'd had their ups and downs, watched the TV movie. It's pretty bad. It's co-produced by John Stamos. But uh, ah, How could it be bad? Indeed. At this point in the Beach Boys career, because there's a lot of Beach Boys career to cover, but um, artistically, they were at a low point. No one was buying their new albums. But George Lucas, who ruins everything suddenly brought the Beach Boys back to prominence with uh, American Graffiti and their uh, 
compilation album, Endless Summer, started selling really well. Ah, yes, yes. So they suddenly became, instead of an act trying to capture, you know, the young, you know, hip cutting edge, became a retro nostalgia act from pretty much here on out. As a result, they needed a album to sell. And Brian, their erstwhile leader, was, uh, shall we say, nuts. Very, very nuts. So they hired a psychiatrist who was also nuts, who worked on Brian 24 hours a day, seven days a week, got him barely functional, at which point Dr. Landy sent the bill and was promptly fired because he's very expensive. But Brian was just healthy enough to produce an album called 15 Big Ones. It was full of covers of 1950 songs. And because of a big promotional blitz about how Brian is back, it sold very well and sounds like shit. So everyone <laughs> got really pissed. But as he was vaguely well during this brief period in the 70s, he also started working on a solo album, which the Beach Boys promptly took and stole from him, added their voices and called it a Beach Boys album. So, but this album did not sell well at all. Um, in part because everyone bought the last album and said, we're not falling for this again. And in part, right before putting this album out, Beach Boys announced that they were signing to a different record label. So uh, Warner Brothers was not exactly um, forthcoming with the marketing funds. So mm. as a result, this album kind of disappeared and languished. But Well, in the 70s were a, were a different time, clearly, than the, the 60s yes. musically. You know, so the landscape had changed quite a bit. Um, I will. I will admit, um, and I'm uh, stealing a bit of of your shtick here, Scott. But um, this is the um, this is the best Beach Boys album I have ever listened to. There you go. And I can say that with absolute um, sincerity, um, because I've listened to two, and this was by far the <laughs> the superior one. Yeah, I'm I'm pretty ignorant on uh, on a uh, uh, Beach Boy lore, but I, I hope we can talk a little a little bit more about Brian's acumen because I'm a bit confused to be, to be, uh, direct. Yeah. Um, when, when, uh, the, when that endless summer came, um, album came out, yeah. I remember that was, that was huge. Yeah. Um, my, my sister had a, um, very modest record collection that included things that she really enjoyed like, um, the carpenters and bread and um, uh, the, she had several Osmond Brothers records, and um, and um, uh, you know, um, uh, Endless Summer. Yeah. Right. And and I I kind of associated um, the Beach Boys with something that I was uninterested in, and and you know I was familiar with you know the hits that were on the radio and those were pleasant enough, but I remember hearing at one point about um, how Brian Wilson is the the musical genius. And, um, you know, that influenced everybody from the Beatles to, um, oh yeah, you know, I don't know to, um, everybody, everybody. <laughs> right. And I'm like, I, I, you know, I'm sort of like, uh, uh, like why? And I was very, um, you know, and it's clearly part of my ignorance. Right. But nonetheless, I was like, you know, there's these goofy songs that are, um, sort of happy and pleasant, or they're just juvenile and sophomoric. Um, and, um, you know, at least lyrically, and I'm like, where, where is this genius? So for this album, I was, I was really excited to hear it because being, you know, oh, this is when Brian gets to show off his chops and this is going to be something that, um, um, I can get on board with, but, um, 
as we shall see, I'm not sure that happened in quite the way that I, no, I had hoped. Not on this one. Well, Brian, Brian may be a genius, but he is not a. Um, he does not do everything. There's there. Brian has his limitations on most of those genius songs. Brian is the songwriter, but he is not the lyricist. The mm. early songs have either like Mike Love or Gary Usher. I mean. For Pet Sounds, he actually hired an advertising guy to come in and translate his feelings, a guy named Tony Asher. Interesting, yeah. And then for The Aborted Smile, he had a poet by the name of Van Dyke Parks come in, but he generally does not write his own lyrics. He writes his own lyrics here. So it was more the, the arranging and the harmonies and sort of yeah, thing. Yeah, that that's his... the other thing he is not known for is actually being a musician who plays. He is very good at arranging and producing, but... Um, he plays nearly every note on here, including the um, drums that make Meg White sound like Neil Peart and uh, <laughs> the the farty bass synthesizer noises and everything. So this is so, yeah, well, so tra- this is, traditionally yeah. in the band. He was the bass player, but if you he was if, the guy who held the bass on stage, if you watch stage. him play bass early on, he, it's actually he he actually uses the pull bar on a P bass and plays with his thumb as Leo intended hmm. um, and plays a pretty simple, but effective uh, bass lines. But he didn't, I mean, if, if you haven't already watched it, watch one of the many, you know, YouTube documentaries or theatrical documentaries about the wrecking crew or read up a little bit on that. Um, and, you know, in short, they were the, the LA, sessions musicians who pretty much recorded everything in the sixties, like really just cranked out a ton of music. If you think your heroes actually played on their own records, they didn't, it was these people. Um, and one of the credits to Brian Wilson is they actually let him do stuff. Like when they recorded, we were recording early beach boy stuff. He was allowed to conduct and arrange and kind of boss these people around um, where at the time it was common to have maybe the lead singer or whoever the, yeah. you know, one the f- of the lead instrumentalists or something with the group come in and play their part backed up by this, these session musicians who would nail it first try every time and do whatever the hell you told them to. And it was just seen as a more uh, a business efficient way to, to make records and get them out better and faster. And so it was really like, late into the sixties before a handful of like actual weird hippie people were allowed to like play their own instruments and do, you know, do anything more than sing on their, their own songs. Um, and so, yeah, it's a big credit to his musical chops that they, they let him run amok a little bit. Yes. That, um, no, that, it, that explains a lot. Well, first of all, I, I, uh, I, I know it, we're it just well into the seventies with this, but that's, yeah. that's just a, yeah. like they, you know, he's a guy that the, they let boss the wrecking crew around, which is not common at all right, in the history right. of that. They, you know, clearly he had a talent and they, um, um, now I know what that pry bar was for. I never understood why it was on the bottom instead of the top, and now it just occurred to me. You just explained that beautifully about how the yeah, base, the base function. It's a handle. So, yeah, yeah. So, oh, yeah. Uh, so, yeah. So, so I get that. But, but no, the, the thing about the lyrics that that does explain a lot because that was my um, the first the first um, uh, thought I I had really as I'm listening to these songs was um, the lyrical content content was was I was really trying to. To because um, I read a few reviews and they were saying how this was so much more mature than earlier uh, Beach Boys records and I'm listening to those lyrics and I'm like there's 
I don't think there's a song in on here that does that elevates above the banal um, in terms of of you know the uh, the um, lyrics. The, well, the lyrics, right? Yeah. Just both in content of the lyrics, but also in terms of their their execution. You know, the the mastery of of. Uh, yeah, you no, know, this um, is this is not what Brian is known for. Yeah, yeah. But, you know, the fact that he plays all the instruments on here is, is well, that's just interesting in and yeah. of itself. That, uh, you know, like you said, you know, they, they gave him the keys to the studio and all those great musicians. I'm sure he learned a lot from, well, from I mean, doing that. But but the fact that he, uh, you know, he he decided yeah. that he was just going to do it all himself. Yeah. That, um, you would presume, I would presume to think that you would, why would you want to do that is because you didn't want to have to, to, um, have to explain what it is that you wanted. I would think right? yeah. I can do this exactly how I want it to be. And so that's, that's a big question. Is this what Brian wanted it to be? Yeah. Well, truth is it was mostly Dr. Eugene Landy's idea because he got more oh. royalties from Brian's solo than Beach Boys total, so he's like pushing him to do the song, even though he's got nothing to say. So he's writing songs about uh, Johnny Carson, uh, solar systems, ding dang. I don't know what did I eat for dinner today. Right, right. Yeah. So he was sort of pushed to do that, and then you know, the rest of the Beach Boys are like, Brian's going to lose it here any minute. We better grab this album while we can. So what it is? Do we have any idea what did his? Uh what did his mental illness look like? How did it manifest itself? Was it mainly depression, or was there other things going and on? He has. Oh, well, there was some depression. <laughs> Auditoria hallucinations. He's uh. his father was an extremely abusive man who beat him so hard he's deaf in one ear. Oh my god! And add to that, you know, the usual, you know, cornucopia of sixty psychedelics that a rock star can afford to consume. And yeah, he's got a lot of like schizophrenia he's been diagnosed with a lot of things and the fact that he's still alive even if he's not all the way there is pretty impressive yeah well i did i did see the uh and i recommend it to anyone the uh, was it the the smile documentary yeah where he you know in more recent times um he uh he was afforded the opportunity to get a whole bunch of great musicians together and present that material uh, in a live setting yeah the way that he intended in the first place, I suppose. Well, you maybe know. we don't know. He, well, yeah, yeah. he never finished it back then. So yeah, it yeah, was a yeah. guess. So, yeah. So it was, uh, it was, uh, I mean, that impressed me. I enjoyed that. I didn't, I didn't necessarily like all of those songs, but yeah. I, I did like the, uh, um, the story, right. The story and the, uh, the kind of, um, I mean, it took a large, it took a large band to, to accomplish that sort of thing. Yeah. And integrating all those parts together was, uh, you know that was no mean feat to do at all. Um, so so you know there's there's um, I mean I guess I'm guess I'm saying that I'm 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 starting to get it a bit why why he is so revered. Yeah. But but it, um, yet at the same time um, you know how much and we've had we've talked about this with with other artists we've had on here too. How much of it is um, how much of it is nostalgia? Yeah. Uh yeah I mean I think the nostalgia thing is really fascinating with the beach boys and like this album in particular where it's this really like fifties, early sixties kind of leaning nostalgia into the, you know, we're closing in on the eighties here and they're yeah. still doing that. One of the things with the happy, um, the happy go lucky fifties sound and texture is that even back in the fifties, it was usually uh, contrasted with some, some dark shit. 
You know, it was it, it was a sweet song about, you know, sex and death, you know, kind of thing, even if it wasn't explicit, you know. An awful like, lot of them are just about sex, but yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Like it's, and, and this one, like the lyrics in this one and a lot of other Beach Boys stuff is just like corny corny ass shit so yeah. it's, it's like it's you don't not, get it's, it's not, not corny cool. enough though you mean, if you're gonna yeah, go yeah. that direction it's, it's not it needs co- to, it's not know. into the realm of camp right but it's missing out on the real sweet spot of the actual like 50s kind of rock or yeah. you know proto rock and roll you know or even like vocal group kind of rock and rolly stuff i guess these are essentially boy bands yeah. of back in the day and it, it's like it's missing that it's like hey remember this this whole thing is about like you know, about screwing and, and crashing cars and stuff. Yeah. And, and there's none of that, um, in, well, on this one, really. Yeah. That's, that's interesting. What you said, is it, is it, is this comparable or is this analogous to, is it worth comparing to, um, say, um, boy bands like Menudo or, um, oh, yeah, I, I, the Beach Boys. Absolutely. I mean, they're very images of fabrication. Like they are not they, like hard, they are not boys, nor do they surf. So yeah, they and well, they are technically male. But as yeah, a, yeah. yeah. <laughs> as a big fan and you know player of of surf music and uh, the Beach Boys, kind of like you, you can argue two things about the Beach Boys: whether or not they're the most famous surf band ever, and whether or not they are a surf band at all. Well, that's the question: and, Is are songs about surfing the same as surf music? And I would, I would tend to say no. If uh, that's the surf case, music then, is a very particular type of mostly instrumental electric guitar music, almost like electric guitar, you know, chamber music or something yeah. like that. Um, and there are a few variations, and it, you know, it it dips in and out of rock and roll and rockabilly and you know other contemporary styles from when it was first created, but the big the orchestration that is famous especially with the early beach boy stuff that was very you know came out of wrecking crew and just la studios and, you know particularly like pet sounds and things like that it's like that's weird boy band psychedelic music that i mean it inspired sergeant peppers and a lot of things like that um it, but it surf music is usually deliberately sparse you know sparse yes. it's it's three guitars and a bass guitar and drums and, you know, that's it's the, there's no the, theremins, the, the, the ventures no, formula. Yeah. I mean, yeah, there's 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 noisemakery stuff there, but the reason that stuff stands out yeah. is because you have three guitarists so they can all play like one simple note at a time. Ding, it's really ding, 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 yeah, ding. it's really basic, and there's a lot of room for it for that the reverb to do yeah. the heavy lifting. And the, just the classic Beach Boys material is the complete opposite. It's multi-part harmonies with strings layered on and a horn section and, and you know, five, you know, the bridge has a bridge kind you, of intricate more, um, stuff. What was more influential? Was it the, uh, was it the vocal harmonies, which, as you said, were multi-part harmonies? They're yes. not... They're, they're not Simplistic, well, and, and, um, mostly. Yeah. Um, well, I shouldn't even say mostly. I should say there are songs where it's not simplistic at all. Yeah. And and they, um, um, but you know, and the, the the musical arrangements could be, uh, like you said, you know, you could have a, um, you know, elaborate instrumentation on these things. Um, you know, was it, was it, it? I mean, that wasn't really a novelty, right? I mean, that that big arrangements on pop songs had been around since the 
since they started recording music, I right? Think this yeah. particular type of, I mean, and so Brian Wilson has, I mean, said that he's like, I can hear, I've, you know, four or five part harmonies in my head and just start writing them down on a, you know, on a score without ever, you know, touching a piano or anything. It's just like, yep, that's, that's where all the parts are supposed to be. Um, and, uh, which is pretty incredible. And I, I think it's famous because you're and you're right, Matt, like the big, lots of horns and strings, you know, that, that was a, a thing forever in, in pop music. You know, even when they were recording a whole album with one microphone, they still had the string section sweetening stuff up that goes way back. But I think Brian's, uh, harmonies in the way he was doing that stuff. I, I think it was just kind of new and novel and not a, a either classical or jazz rooted. Mm-hmm. Um, like I think the harmonies were, were pretty, uh, pretty neat and new and, and I, again, d- uh, pushed a lot of psychedelic music and stuff. So I think it was, they were just kind of the hippied out version of well, that. Well, I think the Beatles, the Beatles were, you know, I mean, as you said, they were, they claimed to be in no reason not to believe them. They were influenced by, uh, the beach boys, um, you know, in the mid, in the mid sixties, but, but, um, uh, you know, the Beatles, I think it's on some people, some people it gets lost a bit at how, how much of the Beatles music is, is vocal music, you know, is harmony music. Absolutely. Right. Yeah. With them, you know, with, the, with the three of them, the three of them all singing, you know, together yeah. and one of them taking lead. Um, that's, um, well, you know, Ringo usually not singing, but um, every Sometimes. once in a while, yeah, yeah. So, so, um, yeah. So that that I could see how how, and you can definitely see a change in their music from about that time period. But music was changing in general, right yeah. around 1965, right. But it's like you know, let's we can we can do we can do more creative things with the way we're singing. Yes, and you know, I could, you know, maybe. You know, perhaps that was a big, you know, a big thing that that uh, Brian Wilson, you know, brought to the brought to the table. Well, and the fact that you know he's got because he's not on the road, so he's got his backup guy. So he's got six vocalists at this point, four of whom are all from the same family, three of whom are brothers. So it has a very precise, interesting sound. And I mean, as instrumentalists, they weren't the best, which is why he was able to use the Wrecking Crew. And once you have that palette open to you, you can go nuts and add, you know, the strings and the theremins and the banjos and the bass harmonicas. He's a big fan of bass harmonica, but yeah. <laughs> and they could all sing too. Oh yeah. Even the, the worst of them, Denny was a great singer, so. at least until the seventies and everyone started smoking and doing Coke and throwing out their voices, which is where this album comes in. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. That's in the, what, and, and, you know, since we, since, um, um, recently we were talking about the Keith Moon album, yeah. which came out around the same time, about two years before, yeah. about two years before that, that, uh, this is that, this is that time period yeah. when, um, you know, smoking and cocaine seem to be, yeah. Uh, well, smoking all the rage very popular, but still, yeah, all the rage, right. In that, that, uh, yeah. So that, that, um, you know, perhaps that had a very big effect on the music as well. Yeah. Do we have any idea where Brian might have gotten this from? Did he have it? Like, was he, you know, was his mean ass father? Did he make him take cello lessons when he was young or his something? His father was a, a frustrated songwriter himself who was very, very pissed off that he wasn't famous. He did get one song on the uh, Lawrence Welk show, the two step oh. sidestep. Well, there's 15 minutes of fame. Yes. But he, so when, the Beach Boys, particularly as young teenagers, became very famous. He, of course, was their manager and was extremely controlling. 
and extremely deriding of Brian's talents, constantly saying he was the real genius and they sucked and really should do what he says all the time. There, hmm. there are several Colonel Tom Parkers in the in the Beast oh yeah Bowl, you know in their in so, their career both Brian Wilson and the band are yeah so was there a lot of music lessons in their past like oh yeah know? no that was part of why he loved music because that was the only thing his dad would let him do and not you know beat the crap out of him for right. so he would just retreat to his little organ room and and play I can know. imagine piano teachers with rulers and yeah, know, whacking yeah. fingers that kind of thing but um No, he didn't need it. He was he was, you know, singing harmony at age 3 and whatnot, so Ah, that's interesting. So it was his way of pleasing his dad and also avoiding his wrath. Right. And because, I and I, I guess I would I would assume that his father probably had a, a big uh, recorded music collection, perhaps. Um, yeah, no, there's a lot of music around the house and a lot of instruments and, and tape recorders and stuff lying around that, you know, most families probably didn't have. But, yeah, you know, yeah, yeah. That's how the Beach Boys really started was, you know, Brian and his younger brothers. Were Is Brian at, the oldest? Yes, Brian is yeah. the oldest. So he did get the wrath, I would assume. Yeah, yeah. yeah no, the, the middle child, of course, is the, the angry, you know, defensive one, Dennis. And the youngest one is the one who's always trying to please everyone, and that's Carl. But when they Carl. were like 16 or 17, the, their parents went on vacation and left them like 200 bucks for groceries for the week. And instead, they spent the money renting instruments and recording their very first song, Surfing. Huh. And that became a hit and that the, from there it's how it started but yes wow that's a yeah, yeah. so there's a listen don't have kids if you're not going to put them to work yeah yeah you gotta smack yeah, them around yeah. a bit get them working but yeah so this is a really good story how could have john stamos have messed that up like, um well because he tended to side more with brian's cousin mike who was more of the front-facing non-drug dealing hanging out with the maharishi type ah. who's like don't fuck with the formula stop writing weird songs about good vibrations and let's just do barbara ann part 97 i mean we will get to that more in next episode yeah, yeah. <laughs> well like looking through their their discography it's like man, they keep cranking shit out like and I, you yeah. know i don't know who is behind you know different albums and various careers now you know yeah eras of their career but it's like from the first one till today there's not a lot of big gaps it doesn't seem like no. you know even if those were compilations and rehashed stuff yeah. it's like they're almost a nostalgia act from the jump yeah no they were very they were seen as very yeah backwards um retro even at the time which is why you know even though they were a 60s band when you know George Lucas did American Graffiti. Their songs fit in really well, and why you know yeah, your just, sister would like them along with Carpenters they, and Bread yeah. and shit. Yeah, yeah, and and you know and and um, oh, and she also had a uh, my sister also had a what was it? Is it um, who's the guy? Mitch Miller. Oh yeah, sing along the with sing Mitch. Along, it's like yeah, yeah, you know, like when yeah. I was like seven or eight, I loved that record. That well, was, yeah, and yeah. that was part of Murray's influences because he loved that shit and he was always trying to push them in that direction. And of course. Brian, being coked out on every psychedelic known to man and hearing voices in his head telling him to, you know, kill himself, was uh, pushing in the other direction. So, oh, so part of his part of his mental illness was also um, um, maybe self medication. Yeah, and, well, uh, yeah, he was he he had some demons, and you know, no one was 
taking this seriously at all in 1963 or whatever. Right. So. And 60s psychedelic drug culture. Yeah, was not going to help. So, didn't, yes. Didn't help things. In- Which is why by the 70s, he mostly was just in bed and the rest of the band was trying to work without him, which yeah. is another interesting period for the band. But at this point, they're like, well, we need Brian. Let's get Brian back. And this is what Brian gave him. And even amongst Beach Boys fans, this is very divisive. Amongst the Beach Boys, it's divisive. Some people just think it sounds like a bunch of crappy demos and they hate it. Others are convinced this is the only good album they did since Pet Sounds. So hmm. that um, uh, were they was it wasn't Brian, right? That was an um, friendly with. I guess is that the right word? Uh, aware of Charles Manson? You're thinking of Dennis. Dennis, Dennis yes, yeah. the the crazy middle child who you know. Yeah. Ironically, what's, drowned. What's the dentist? Uh, is that surfing? Was he surfing? Yeah, he was the only one who actually surfed, but oh, yeah. he drowned diving off the. What's his solo yacht. album oh. that's really good? Oh, Pacific Ocean Blue, which came out also this same year, nineteen seventy-seven. Listen to that. It's yeah, that it's one's fantastic. good. Yeah, you put the two of them together, you got quite a also, dichotomy. Listen to Danny Gatton's uh, instrumental cover of uh, "In My Room." That's really good. Mm, yes, I've heard that. Yeah. yeah. I guess I, uh, and it, it kind of gives away, you know, some, sometimes when you're listening to the better beach boys stuff, and I yeah. guess some of the worst beach boy, the, the lesser beach boys material, um, it's really easy to get caught up in the main vocal melody and kind of miss how crazy dense the, you know, all, all the arrangement and, and, uh, how crazy the harmonies are and how distinct they are. Cause they are really smooth. Um, and seem effortless, but if if you listen to uh, an instrumental cover of some of their better material, and it's easier to separate out the different voices, it's it's like holy crap, that's <laughs> that is dense and uh, dramatic. Well, I've always you know uh, you mentioned good vibrations. Yeah. I I always liked that song. Yeah. But. Well, I will tell you a story of how I got into the Beach Boys that may explain some of this. As a very young teen, just getting into playing guitar. I would watch anything about bands on TV, including this horrific Saved by the Bell knockoff called California Dreams. <laughs> I don't know if you've seen it. Most people didn't. No. And yes. Yeah, I remember that. But in one of the episodes, it's one of the few times that, you know, some of the characters are getting married or whatever. And it's one of the few times you actually see the actual one of the guys is playing a song on the guitar and you can actually see the guitar and they're actually playing. And they're playing Surfer Girl, you know. Do, 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 do. And, you know, I'm watching the fingers like, oh, yeah, I know that. That's a one, six, four, five chord. And then halfway through it, he throws his hand way up there. And I realized, no, that's a flat five minor. What the hell is he doing? And I had to go back and listen to the record. I'm like, no, this isn't your standard doo-wop chord progression. There's some crazy shit going on in there. And from he knew, that he point, knew what a I saw diminished chord is. Yeah, <laughs> all sorts of yeah. And once you sort of unlock that, because when you hear it, it just sounds like your standard, you know, one six four five doo wop thing. But there's yeah. Well, I, I have to compare him to like uh, a lot of uh, one man band type people, but uh, Prince is another person I think is similar to Brian Wilson and can you know get around functionally on a lot of different instruments and just hear entire arrangements in his head and is able to kind of translate that to a band maybe more effectively than well certainly late period 
Brian Wilson, but well, I, I think Brian was really good at communicating, which is why he was good with the Wrecking Crew. He could not play this shit for himself. Yeah, he, could, yeah, okay. he was an adequate keyboard player, and um, he owned a bass. Um, but he could clearly hear it. But the, yeah, he knew what it was, and he could communicate it to everyone. And he, you know, sit down with like you know Carol. Carol Kay and Lyle Ritz and Glenn Campbell and Leon Russell and Hal Blaine. And he'd be like, okay, I know this sounds crazy, but I want the stand-up bass in A and I want the electric bass in D at this point. And they'd be like, that doesn't make any sense. He's like, shut up. I know what I'm doing. And they'd play it. Yeah. Yeah. Well, that's, I was, the reason I brought up the Prince thing was a lot of times when I'm working on Prince songs on guitar or bass, I run into something weird where it's like, oh, this was not written on this instrument or even, you know, even written on a keyboard, like somebody heard this in their head and later like figured out how to make the various instruments, you know, instruments in the band able to, you know, Oh, and that is one of the big, and and so it doesn't have like corny guitar licks in it because like, that's one of the magic coming from uh, that of music, you know, I mean, of, of uh, ensemble music, right. Is that, that you get, you can have different instruments, you know, not necessarily playing overly complicated parts, but they could be playing parts that don't make sense on their own. And when you put it all together, it, it's um, it's 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 uh, everything everything makes sense. And and I think that you know it does take you know it takes a real composer sensibility to be able to do that. And and I you know and and um, uh, you know. If he had that ability, you know, that's, that is, um, that is really impressive. I think because he grew up in a musical family and stuff, I think he had just really rock solid classical voice leading stuff just drilled in from the jump. Well, yeah. And And avoiding reality, he decided to just bury his head in that particular box of sand and got really good at it. Yeah. 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 Well, shall we actually dive into said album? Cause you know, we were mostly talking about the, uh, Brian of the, uh, early to mid 60s and this is the brian of the 70s who is a um different ball of wax altogether but uh we'll start with let us go on this way You can send me thoughts, I'd have no objection. So, it's one of the few songs that was actually co-written on the album. It was written with Mike Love when Mike complained the album was too dour and downbeat and wanted something upbeat for the album. So, Yeah, and I think the first thing you notice is those uh, the synthesizers. Yeah, these are 77 synthesizers, to say the least. Yeah, so I, I'd imagine it's probably... Uh, uh, a mini moog, maybe an arp, um, yeah, something like along those lines, maybe both. Yeah, he probably yeah, had a few um, toys lying around yeah, the house. Yeah, and that, well, and that's a great thing about. Um, well, I don't know if it's great or not, but one of the more interesting things about about seventies kind of synthesizers is what I was talking about. Is is uh, they they were all, they were all monophonic. You could only have a single note at a time, right? Playing. And, and so you, you can't play chords on, on those things. And so when you, when you build up a track, now that you have multi-track recording, you could, you could write separate lines. You know, you were kind of forced to write separate lines if you wanted to have a big, full kind of sound yeah. coming from the synthesizer. So, so, um, so there, there's a potential here that something great could happen on this record. Yeah. 
And I will have to say that this is like one of my all-time favorite albums ever. I mean, other than like Self-Portrait and Pinkerton, I don't think there's a record we've done on this podcast that I've listened to more than, than Beach Boys Love You. But a lot of people do not deal well with this album because it is very rough. It is very ragged. Uh, and as we'll see, I think, you know, as you hinted at before, some of the lyrical content is, it's not, it's not up to snuff. I'll put it that way. Yeah. Right. It's, it's a, uh, it's very, um, it, it's reminiscent of, and, and please forgive me. Um, um, it's very reminiscent, I think, of the lyrical writing of, of um, D.D. Ramon as D.D. King. <laughs> it, it's, it seems to be like, like you know, we need lyrics. It's I'll just, here they are. Moon, right, June, right, moon. Right. Yes, it's infantile. Yeah, yeah, well, that's yeah. a lot of it is because I think Brian's brain yeah. says rock and roll music is about teenagers falling in love. So he's writing about hormonal teenagers making out in the back of cars. But... Brian is and sounds like a 30 something year old guy with young daughters. So yeah. when those two worlds meet and they meet a lot, it can get kind of uh, creepy. And, and there's not a uh, there's not a ton of metaphor or illusion going on. No. It seems to be very literal. Minded, yeah. No, know? he says, yeah. I love you, baby. And it's not baby as a, a term of endearment. It's baby as an infant. And that gets Weird. Yeah. Or, or in this in this song, what was it about ESP or something? Extrasensory perception. You can give me thoughts. I'd have no protection or something. Yes. Right. Right. It's like yeah. It's 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 innocent in a in a way that's like, is this guy okay? Yeah, innocent or maybe naive. <laughs> but I'm, yes, I'm concerned he's, about. Well, he was also very drugged out at this point and barely functioning. So kind of. It's like the singing bear. You, you don't really care how well he sings. You're just impressed that he's on stage. Yeah, so they're, they're, they're not songs about gulping down Thorazine. It's someone who has gulped down Thorazine. Exactly, so, yeah. trying to write uh, right. 50s doo-wop songs and clearly, and writing about whatever else he happens to lay his eyes on, whether it's you know his children's homework or the television. or Right away, though, you do hear those, those Beach Boys harmonies. Yeah, no, they could still sing. That's never been the problem. <laughs> And and uh, I had I had written down here that that Carl sang lead on this one. That is true. Yes. Yeah. He usually has the best voice. Yeah. Which you know, considering that he was you know Mike Love was the one who couldn't play an instrument or even pretend to on stage, makes the fact that he's not even the best singer in the band that much more. <laughs> Mike Love is annoying. We'll get more into that next episode. <laughs> okay. Scott has. A, I have feelings about Mike Love. Strong, strong feelings. <laughs> but let's go on this way. And check out the next song, uh, Roller Skating Child. When I see her there, you know my heart starts smiling when she sings. She's such an angel, I bet she's got wings. And we'll make sweet love when the sun goes down. We'll even do more when her mama's not around. Well, oh my, oh gosh, oh gee, she really sends chills inside of Yeah, Brian knows his limitations on drums and only plays one at a time. <laughs> Usually it's the snare, and you just get it on the two, four, two, yeah, four. This is a uh, this this um yeah this is a a foreshadowing of what the um, '80s 
and yeah, synthesizers and, and really gated simple drums. Yeah, but they have the hand clap uh, right, yeah, uh, yeah, sample yeah. to be triggered with that. Yeah. No, but they, yes, this but is like that the relentless that relentless snare. The yeah. fuzzed out synth bass is awesome. Oh, the sound of this album is very distinctive, and that's part of why I love it. Is there's nothing else in the Beach Boys catalog or really anywhere that sounds like this, the bass on this sounds like something from JMJ would play on a Beck album or something like that. It's very, it's weirdly hip. <laughs> Out of place, even, for how cool. Yes, but again, the lyrics are, you know, about courting some youngster and her parents. Like, there's a lot of also winning over the hearts of the parents of your woo-y, which is kind of get disturbing that when, you know, it's sung by a man of his age. But, you know, I don't think it was meant lecherously or... Yeah, I don't even think it was meant at all. It was just, that's what songs are about. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> um, and then uh, uh, Mike Love is the lead lead vocalist yes. on, on this one, yeah. So, so um, um, Mike Love can sing, I'll give him that. He's not as good a singer as some of the Beach Boys, but he can at least sing, and people but, will defend him. I mean, maybe maybe it's just knowing what we all know from the various uh, biopics and things, and, yeah. you know, legends of Brian Wilson, but it's just... The lyrics on this just keep bringing me back to, oh, this is sad. Like, well, you know, it's yeah, like, what Brian could, was very sad it, at this point. Yeah, like, what, what possibly could have, I mean, just the way that these, it's like, yeah, you're an adult. Like, maybe you shouldn't be, this, you know, what possibly could have, you know, trapped well, this person emotionally, you know? <laughs> it's like, the, oh, yeah, no, he's like, well, you know, just for an emotionally abused. Yeah. Well, he at least dealt with it better than, say, Michael Jackson. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. There, well, there are better, um, and there's better songs about roller skating. I mean, yeah. already, even at this point, there's better, yes. better songs about well, roller and skating. It was apparently inspired by his daughter, Carney, soon to be of Wilson Phillips' love of ice skating, but that didn't have enough syllables. Yeah. So, nice. yeah, yeah. yeah. So, again, is it a song about a young girl that a teenager is courting, or is it a song about a daughter from their dad? And he's chosen not to, uh, to distinguish. Be, to distinguish about that. <laughs> uh, choose yeah. your own adventure. Yeah. So you can take it either way. But I think that's, yeah, <laughs> something that the album is awesome. There's one song we'll get to later that is very heavily into that. But first, we got to talk about Mona. Come a come a come a come to me. So remember how I was talking about how interesting and complicated Brian Wilson's chord choices are? <laughs> Not so much here. No. 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 There's no chorus, just uh, the four chords repeating and repeating and repeating. What, it, it references rock and roll and give me that beat uh, yeah. a couple of times. And, and it's funny because I, I think it was it's Charlie Watts that said something about, you know, like rock, like eighth notes. Or make rock and roll happen. 
And so it, it's pretty funny to uh, <laughs> a super quarter note song. <laughs> the complete <laughs> absence boom, of yeah. Jake. Boom, Jake. And uh, yeah, and Dennis Wilson singing on this one. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He's got kind of a gruffier. Yeah, well, he he was the one who song. enjoyed the, uh, the 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 smoking and the lifestyle the most because he was also the one who was considered the most attractive. So he was like the teen heartthrob. Oh, interesting. Yeah, but he was uh, also yeah. The most I just, troubled. I just remember all those big beards. They didn't. Uh, yeah, the '70s were a time of big beards, not just for the Beach Boys, but yeah. particularly. But um, uh, um, one of the lines here is, "I know you're gonna love Phil Spector." I think. <laughs> well, <laughs> Phil Spector's music you can still love, but sure, yes, sure. Well, and writing well, a song about back, wanting right? to turn your potential girlfriend on to the same music that you are is. It's not a subject matter that gets explored enough, but it's yeah. also not exactly the most flattering look on most people. So, yeah. No, really, you should check out this album. It's great. Yeah, yeah. It, well, well, you know, a couple, of, a couple of things so far with these three songs. You know, I sort of mentioned this uh, almost jokingly in passing, but th- this does seem to be um, in the mold of, of uh, what is to come in the, in the 80s. Um, you know, so, you know, maybe... Maybe uh, um, maybe Brian was onto something. I, I think a very negative something, but that's just my personal taste. Yes. Which is um, which is you know you used to have these these really top notch musicians, right? Like the Wrecking yeah. Crew playing you know relatively simple songs, but certainly capable of doing a lot more, which Brian could exploit. And then you have the '80s come along where everything becomes very mechanical. And, and very, very rigid. Um, you know, it already started in the 70s, but you're talking, you know, lots of lots of click tracks, lots of drum machines. Even if the even if the drum machine doesn't make the final final cut, it's still there to, you know, to yeah. um, to to um, inform and enforce. The right. And enforce rhythm. and and, uh, and and much simpler, much simpler arrangements. Yes. You know, that that uh, then then had existed before. And and I guess maybe it, it all you know because of the new technology maybe it sounded all fresh and new or not but uh, but this seems to be you know kind of like Brian might have you know maybe this was kind of along those lines what's attractive to a to a composer or a musician of that style of recording is you don't have to rely on a whole bunch of other people yeah you, you can just you can just um, you know you can just open it up and and use the machines to your advantage you don't have to be great yeah at, at your instrument. To do it, and you know, and it sounds like that was uh, that was not Brian's forte. He no. was not he was not a virtuoso. He was a composer. Yeah, yeah. Well, and I think really of all the albums, the one that this sounds the most like is a uh, Paul McCartney's second solo album from 1980, McCartney Two, that he did all by himself with a bunch of synthesizers. Yeah, yeah. the one with like coming up and temporary oh, secretary dig, on it. Dig the Melvin or the Dale Crover of the Melvins cover of coming up. Yeah, but yeah, that's like the only thing that's comparable to this, where you got a a guy who's got a lot of ideas and a lot of new equipment he doesn't quite know how to use, and he's just going to dive headfirst into it. But yeah, yeah, hmm. is interesting. Yeah, this this uh, song definitely brings up nostalgia, though, right? Yeah, it's like a it's like that. What what um a few years later, uh, you know, a few years later, you have that um that um Steely Dan song, Hey Nineteen. Yeah, well, which it, is, again, uh, the the seventies obsession with fifties is rearing its weird, ugly head. Yeah, yeah. I mean, also, I mean, seventy seven. We're as the as the Prague and Fusion fan here, you know, or yes, yeah. we all kind of are. 
Um, I wouldn't call you guys that publicly or anything. Yeah, yeah. I appreciate that. Don't tell anyone. <laughs> yeah, um, but uh, man, seventy seven is a heavy ass year for that. So, so I mean, it's like things are on one side heading in this fifties, you know, nostalgic. Yeah. Like, boy, wasn't it just a, a gas when well, seventy seven also with, and take her to get a, 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 a yeah know, ice cream cheeseburger and a cheeseburger and. You know, and like, then there's just completely out there crazy. You know, what the hell was like miles up to in 77? It's like weird music is getting weirder than ever quickly. If if you look at the Wikipedia page for this album, it mentions that this is considered the Beach Boys punk album like a dozen times, which I've never heard before. Uh But... Well, this you know, is the year that, you know, like the Clash and the Sex Pistols yeah, and all that and was. And punk start- was also getting applied to just anything that was a little rough yeah. around the edges and yeah, didn't before fit it, in. you know, split into something well, codified. In, in that or- sense, in that specific sense, I could see that, right? You know, where it's like, we're going to abandon the sort of. Um, it's DIY. Right, it's, yeah. Right, yeah. But, um, but I did this. This uh, um, does remind me uh, to a certain degree of, of the Ramones um, in, in the sense of that, that you're using these sort of, uh, 50 style songs yeah. and, and, uh, you know, in, in doing it in a very, a very, um, kind of straightforward way and, you know, getting rid of all the chafe and, and just, um, and just going for it. Um, and, and talk about, you know, sort of sophomoric or juvenile or banal lyrics, you know, the, the, um, the Ramones are all over that stuff. Oh, yeah. Um, I just think, that, I just think that they're, they're, um, the, lyrically, the way the 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 rhymes go, yeah. the way they fit in the song, the way the melodies go, um, this is there's something missing here. Like well, they're uh, corny, yeah. they're really corny. Yeah, yeah, but these 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 but are not like cheesy. Said, these aren't even missing. It, they're they're not corny. These lyrics are not. They're not corny enough. Yeah, you don't want they're, corn they're, without cheese because right? that's just yeah, a yeah, vegetable. Just like, they're so literal. Like there's nothing. I mean, you mentioned the Ramones, and yeah, definitely heavy, heavy end of the century vibes from this. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. This album, right? But um, and there's your your Phil Spector, yeah, yeah, another yeah. Phil Spector connection. Yeah, yeah. I know you'll love Phil Spector, <laughs> but uh, um, yeah. you're really gonna love Phil Spector, yeah, yeah. <laughs> for a little bit, then uh, yeah, um, for the rest of your life. But like J- Joey would be singing about something similarly stupid, but then he would like rhyme four words together that don't rhyme at all somehow, and there was like there was an interesting mutation going on, whether it was you know there's some dispute about the Ramones having made <laughs> deliberate uh, avant art choices or just being too dumb to do anything else. Yeah. Either way, it, the, the result is, is great yeah, there, and entertaining, but yeah, that, right, there's, there's a little, there's a little extra twist that, yeah. And there's also, uh, there's just, you know, and who knows, you, you don't know what's inside these guys heads, right? We don't know this, but there seems like when I listen to this album, the lyric part of it, I mean, yeah. is like the with the Rome, Ramones. There, there's like an earnestness to what they're doing. Like, well, like, yeah, because they really were singing about stuff they cared about. Here, yeah. Brian's singing about teenage girls that he's not really interested. Right, like you said, he's except. Yeah. He's, <laughs> let's listen to the next track. <laughs> now, this is not a song about fifties love. It's behind his microphone. Such a 
this okay i i didn't i didn't want to i thought we were gonna do the albums the other way around but this reminds me of the other beach boys album quite a bit and it this is like two degrees away from being uh smooth noodle maps like late period devo it's like herky jerky in a way that's like almost cool but doesn't quite go I, over the line this is my this is my second favorite song on the album and i think that that what i like about it what we were just talking about before yeah is like this song is earnest yeah. I, I believe that he's that this he is really real, likes johnny really carson, likes johnny are, are carson? Sure the ramones right. never covered yeah. this song yeah. i dare like, you to come up with a song that a better song about johnny carson <laughs> yeah and and you know at the uh he, really, um, he hits all the that damn network yeah. for, for our listeners this, break his back for our listeners this probably happens too often uh, that you know on um uh Logan will mention Prince, and then I'll mention Frank Zappa. But around the same time, <laughs> take a drink. Yeah, around the same time, uh, yeah, take a drink. Around the same time, uh, Frank Zappa became he was uh, he appeared on Saturday Night Live, yeah. and he was really enamored with a few of the skits, and and uh, he he put on one of his albums a song called Coneheads, which is basically the lyrics are just you know. A description I like the coneheads. Cone heads, yeah, which reminds uh, me of this a lot, right? You know, like uh, did they use it in the movie? Yeah. It's like uh, no. I don't, I don't know if they did or not. No, they, they used the bare naked ladies cover of "Fight the Power." But uh, yeah, it's a. <laughs> Does that exist? Oh yeah, I have the soundtrack. Look it up, people. Oh. Yeah, no, <laughs> oh, problematic, shall we say? Although, actually, at this time, 1977, Lauren Michaels booked Brian Wilson on SNL, not the Beach Boys, just Brian Wilson. Oh. You want to see something awkward and unpleasant, because this is a guy who, as we have noted, is not a musician virtuoso, and he's just by himself, alone at a piano, in a sandbox, attempting to sing Love is a Woman and Good Vibrations, which has, you know, a billion instruments in on it, all by himself. Wow. None of the harmonies, none of the parts. Yeah, you can find it on YouTube. It's uh, And he does do it. He gets through it. Uh, okay. He he looks to be about having as much fun as we are listening to it. But yes, he gets through it. <laughs> <laughs> cool. Yeah, yeah. But you know, and you can sort of see. I mean, you know, what we've been talking about with his with his troubles and the like. He he probably did spend you know as half of America did right um, every night. You know, as you're going to bed, you're watching Johnny Carson. Yeah. Well, and, I think uh, he admired the fact that Johnny kept on plugging away. Not that he was great. But he kept doing it. That's yeah, the thing. Yeah. He like when guests are boring, he'll pick up the slack. Network makes him break his back. He's like, I don't want to do another record. But look, Johnny's out there. He's been doing this for 20, 30 years and still putting on a show. I can do this. So I think he may have envied him a bit. Yeah, yeah. Hmm. Well, the last song on side one is a. Uh, wait, wait, is that the last song? Oh no, there's one more song. It's a. Uh, Good Time, written by Brian and uh, Al Jardine, the guitar player, and one of the few Beach Boys not genetically related. She's kind of skinny, and so she needs her falsies on. She don't like cooking, but she's so good looking. I miss her when she's gone. And when she gets to dancing, I feel... 
Yeah, I forgot the song was on the album because whenever I listen to it, I skip it. Oh, it's kind of like a, it sounds kind of like a kink song. It's, uh, well, it wasn't actually recorded for this album. Yeah, was, did they re-record it or did, did... No, they just put the old seven-year-old track on there. The only thing they on, added yeah. is at the very end, he goes, yeah. No. <laughs> that is all... <laughs> And, and Brian, Brian sings some of the lead vocals yeah, on this, yeah, right? Yeah, but I mean, yeah. it's a full early 1970 production, and it does not fit on this. Yeah, album yeah, it at doesn't all. really, it doesn't really fit that that well. It's uh, there's there's, yeah, there's a certain melodic, uh, you know, I don't know. It's like this one, this one does sound. Um, well, I'm not, you know, I'm not going to say good or bad. It just, it just, uh, it has a, it has a very different vibe to it. Yes, and and it seems, it seems more. Um, what I think of when I would think of the yeah. Beach Boys. So, wow. you, you remember 1977, Matt? Was it yeah. was the the Dirty Boogie the thing that was just uh, <laughs> yeah. corrupting the youth? Yeah, they, uh, I, I thought it was uh, well, cocaine yeah. that was starting to take hold. It but was those sh- I, shaking I, booties. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. I mean, my girlfriend Penny does leave. She's kind of <laughs> skinny, so she has to leave her falsies on. I mean, are we really singing about falsies here? <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> I mean, is that a thing? Uh, uh, yeah, 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 again, awkward, but not enough happy-go-lucky uh, pop songs have a, a real good woodblock arrangement. Indeed, and this one. Well, this one has a lot more instruments on it than the rest of the album combined. There's yeah, horns and different the organs instead of synths, and well, I mean, in all seriousness, this starts. To sound like a song by like the band or something, except they would be, yeah. it would be weird, more funky yeah, and yeah. weird. Like, I think a lot of these tunes suffer from the drum, you know, Brian Wilson tends to arrange just on this in a very classical sort of way. It's like, it's kind of on a grid and I, there's, I can't think of any of the songs that have like a truly funky or weird syncopated backbone to them. It's yeah, he may some, not have had the ability to play it it's either. It's some so. regular meter that allows all this crazy harmony shit to happen. Yeah. And this is one where it's like, yeah, if the if this was a little bit more like Norwegian street band kind of funky, it would be an, a much stronger song, but it just kind of clonks along like the, you know, the... Well, there's a reason why it wasn't put on the album Sunflower, so, you know. That um, uh, before I forget, I did want to mention too about that Johnny Carson song. Yeah, it has kind of an outro on it. That that's um, a, yeah, a, little, a couple of songs have sort of like this tag where they do an yeah. acapella. Johnny Carson, well, and, and this one sounded like I wrote down. Um, I mean, I'll have to go back and listen yeah. to it, but it, it, I wrote down it sounded kind of like Wild Weekend. You know, um, yeah. you remember that song that. It's a wild weekend, weekend. you know. Yeah, that, that one. What, yeah, 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 yeah. That uh, um, yeah. Not, but anyway, um, all right. So um, enough good times. Let's go honking, honking down that gosh darn highway. I guess Brian has a way with girls, even if he has to act funny and spend his money. 
Killed one inch at a time. One inch at a time. Yeah, his parents think he's fine now. So yeah, <laughs> yeah. That this this one again with the sort of yeah asking permission of the parents thing is. But it's funky. Yeah, that is kind of yeah yeah. It does have well, it's got that you know that that um, synth bass line yeah, very prominent again. Um, yeah, that, that that's um. You know, gotta say that there's there's better highway songs too, um, yeah. but um, but it is you know I think you're right. It is kind of interesting that that uh, um, you know like where is this coming from? You know, like why would why would you think this is this is the uh, this is what you know kids today want to hear? Want to hear exactly, and and uh, the kind of asking permission of your parents and it yeah, and clearly he's aiming for teenagers instead of you know the people who grew up with the Beach Boys who would yeah. be probably wanting a song about daughters and, yeah, and like you said it's kind of and, and for, for whatever reason you know maybe it is their age you yeah. know sometimes older people can write good songs for younger people but it's like I mean, weezer's seems, whole career is that well, yeah it seems kind of creepy though, it does you know? especially yeah. when we, they're singing it yeah yeah we talked about the wrecking crew a bunch already but that that is one of the the interesting observations about the wrecking crew particularly in the 60s is that all these kids who were buying this, you know, music specifically targeted at teenagers and, and young young adults, um, and a lot of it kind of countercultural and anti-establishment and stuff like that. It's like would have blown their mind to find out that it, a lot of it was being written and performed by like this multi-gendered, multi-racial group of people that were their parents' ages. Yeah. You know, it's in, like <laughs> Yeah. I mean it was, maybe it was, not suit and ties, but you know, button down shirts and uh but yeah, it's it's not coming from where it's advertised is where it's coming from. Yeah. It's, it's and so. Well, and and I I have um, in in uh, recent times, um, uh, especially over the the whole COVID thing, uh, for whatever whatever reason exactly, I I've been listening to a lot of fifties rock and roll music, and and you know so maybe I have my own. 70s nostalgia thing going on for the the 50s rock and roll but but the thing the thing about that is and you know early early 60s as well right you put that in is my previous opinion of that was it was always um too soft too nice too pleasant yeah which is one of the reasons why i i disassociated from the beach boys yeah is i wanted i wanted to feel like when I was a teenager, I wanted I wanted to feel like what I was listening to was important and that it was worth listening to. That it yeah. wasn't just some throwaway, fluff. right? Fluff, right? I bet you can't even name three good bread albums. But, but here, yeah, you know, you're you're probably right. But well, here's yeah. here's the here's the thing though is that that listening, uh, you know, and and uh, you know, am I just become a dirty old man? I hope that's not the case. Um, but you know, I think I think. Uh, you know, uh, um, you know, lyrical analysis bears this out. Um, I understand now why parents were so freaked out about their kids listening to rock and roll in the in the fifties and sixties. It was not just because it came from black music. That's one yeah. reason why white parents objected to it. But the other reason was is almost all of the songs are about sex. Yeah, and they're you know they're done in, a, in sort of a, a metaphorical way, yeah. but but nonetheless, it is clear, it is absolutely clear what they're talking about. It's the fucking fifties. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> and exactly right. And so so it, it's you know in a lot of ways it's like that kind of nostalgia about those those good old days when everyone was clean and wholesome. Poodle cool, cool like, skirts and bobby no, socks. <laughs> right, that's when it was. That's more when it was hardcore. Yeah, and, and uh, you know you get to the seventies and you have Brian writing lyrics like this is sort of like 
like like trying to capture maybe that vibe or something and it's just it, it just it, it's not it doesn't fit yeah right and it's not the same thing as you know the big bopper going hey baby <laughs> right you know and uh, you know and as that's it's it's uh you know and that can be creepy all on its own but that's yeah. you know but that's not um uh, it's somehow it's missing the fun i yeah. guess maybe you know well yeah cuz he's writing about you know Teenagers are not people he actually wants to have sex with. Right, right. Which I'm glad. Right, right. But yeah, right. <laughs> it does change things. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You well, know. shall we move on to now? This is the final <laughs> yeah, song the final. on side A. And, and I will say this: this this is my favorite song on the the, the record. And I'll say, and I'll say this that that I really loved it, um, and I uh, because it was it was straight to the point, and it was short. It was. I just have one word written on my notes: perfection. Yeah. <laughs> nice. how, how, what's the longest tune on cool. here? These are all two and They're something. All short. Yeah. yeah. He doesn't have any like guitar solos or but anything solos. So I, yes. I really appreciate this. Um, Brian Wilson is a songwriter who who started cranking stuff out. Um, in the early, you know, all of the early Beach Boys mater- material, they're singles. They're yeah. they're forty fives. It's an A side and a B side, or just an A side, you know, a split or something like that. And so I think in his head, like that is the the that, ultimate that's, length. That's the dose. That's that's always going to yeah. be the framework that oh. you're going to be working in. And I think there is a, a especially. Present day, you know, I guess since the advent yeah. of CDs, yeah, um, that, Maybe. like people just make songs as long or short as they feel like. They'll edit if they're really concerned about radio stuff, but nobody really listens to the radio anymore. So that's kind of a. I I really appreciate the challenge of having to get a dumb song, a really profound song, or any song. a really dumb song uh, crammed into two minutes. Yeah, and and. Make it interesting and keep it interesting. Uh, there's that's maybe that's part of the reason some people characterize this as a punk album as well. Um, yeah, hmm. the shortness. I, I too don't hear the. These are a little punk, bit long yeah, for yeah. the punk that I yeah, prefer. Yeah, but. yeah, yeah. That, uh, well, but this, and it's also this was written with the help of Roger McGuinn. Yes, yeah, from the Birds. Apparently, he tells the story that it wasn't that short to begin with. The two of them sat down to write it one night. Got about this far. Roger McGuinn fell asleep. He woke up eight hours later, and Brian was still playing the same thing. <laughs> so this is the good part. I yes, guess. <laughs> he's like, no, nope, I got this. I mean, there's stories of like Iggy Pop and Alice Cooper coming over to Brian Wilson's house, and he would just play shorten and bread for like twelve hours straight, and they'd leave saying, "This guy's too crazy for us." <laughs> wow. <laughs> yeah. 
Huh, that's a, yeah. He's no, always I, been uh, more together than he lets on. Yes. I like your description, though. Per- perfection. Yeah, it's like, what could you possibly change What else is there this? to do here? You <laughs> yeah, know, in and out, 58 seconds, whatever, yeah. But oh. you flip the record over, and much like the... The Beach Boys Today, which is an album that came out in 65, all the hard rock songs are on one side and all the soft romantic ballads are on side two. So ah. it's sort of conceptual this way. And we have the more romantic songs like this one about astronomy. <laughs> the angels play, you see the lover's moon looks good in the month of June. There's so little. There's so little um, poetry. It's all very literal, the, right? You know, it's like did the author of the children's book that they just recited sue them for? Uh, I'm kind of surprised when they might be giants did that album of children's songs about science. This would have been perfect. Yeah, they should have just covered yeah. it. Only I don't think there's a lot of actual science here. It's yeah, mostly say, it's mostly mythology. The, yeah, Neptune yeah. is god of the sea. So Pluto it's really, is too far to see. They they don't teach astrology in school like they, no, they no. Should, it's a strange you know. mix of yeah of astronomy and myth astrology right? and yeah, yeah. yeah and and constellations well, are right? stars that form animals and also if they found life on Mars they might find his wife there. Yeah, yeah. Is that a joke? Is that an insult? Is, is this like Henny Youngman? Yeah. <laughs> or is he just saying this wife would like to go to Mars or she's from Mars? And if she is from Mars, how did you get married? I don't. Yeah. And does that fit in with the, the mythological part of it at all? You know, Indeed. Um, Aries. Mars being yeah, the, the god of war. The god of war. And, right? and that's yeah. where my wife would be from. Women um, are from Venus. Men are from Mars. Right. Yeah. Something like that. Yes. Uh yeah, it. But it's a cool song, despite having the weirdest, most. You almost wish you would go back to singing about you know, you know, teenagers in love. Yeah, I, I forgot to mention this earlier, and you beat me to it. But this is an incredibly they might be giant sounding. Yeah, album like, DIY synthesizery, lo-fi, the, home drums. The kind of innocent vibe of it and the some of the herky-jerky weirdness, really. Yeah, catchy with, without being commercial. <laughs> yeah. Do you think uh, Brian was listening to Space Truckin' by The Deep Purple? I think Brian only listened to, like, Randy Newman and uh, The Four Freshmen. Yeah. <laughs> I think he was only listening to the voices in his head. Indeed. Yeah, that's... that's uh, this. It is, you know, I, I agree. There's, there's a, the, the song is interesting. He's like, he's, he's like a, the, the melody he's singing with his voice. You know, sometimes yeah. he has to squeeze those words in there. Right? Yeah. But he it, does not sing as well but, as he is to, <laughs> but it's clearly there, there, you know, it's, it's thought out. Right. Yeah. But it's like, wow. It's like, I, you know, again, this one, this one's kind of, this one's, you know, in, in kind of like the Johnny Carson one, it seems like they're. Is this just a throwaway, or or is he really? I mean, is there any message here? What or is this I think part a topic of it is you know that about? was part of Doctor Landy's therapy is like 
you won't get your cheeseburger tonight till you get up and write a song. And it didn't matter what song he wrote. So sometimes he would write a song about, today I brushed my teeth, today I brushed my teeth. I mean, there's a song he has on an album in the 60s that literally gives you directions to his house. If you know where to start from, he's like, well, first you take a left and then you turn down this dirt road and you go a half a mile and then you knock on the door on the right. And yeah. Wow. Wow. He is, that, this, this Dr. Landy guy seems kind of... Um, he comes back. Isn't oh. the, the uh, uh, I think, voiced by Andy Dick on Metalocalypse uh, yeah. therapist <laughs> has some pretty direct... Uh, Dr. Landy vibes. Yeah. No. Yeah. The next time he came around, uh, it got much, much worse. And yeah. Huh. Wow. Yeah. So this, this isn't like... This is something... Different from say John Lennon with his rebirth therapy. That yeah, kind no, of thing. that was oh, no, far yeah, more voluntary on, on John Ellison Lennon's part. This is kind of stuff. Yeah. This is the rest of the Beach Boys take Britney Spears style conservativeship over Brian and force him into this therapy. Wow. Yeah. No, it was bad. Yeah, yeah. And and it's one it, of those things where you're like, boy, if they hadn't done it, he would have died. So I'm glad he's there. But he fucked him up almost as much as his dad. So I'm, I'm not sure whether I'm glad or. Yeah, it's it's a tough story, particularly yeah. with. Oh man, there are, there's some Britney Spears parallels here. Yeah, I was going to say is Brit, is Britney Spears the the Brian Wilson of the the um, pop divas? I think they both play bass about as well. Yeah. I yeah I, would, I don't know Britney might. Does she play any instruments? I don't know. Uh, you're not in yeah. public. Anybody can play the bass. It's, it's stupid and easy. Yeah. <laughs> playing the bass well is difficult, but playing it in yeah, and of itself. Not really. <laughs> I mean, Sid Vicious could figure it out. Actually, he didn't. <laughs> Did he? <laughs> well, anyone smarter than Sid Vicious could figure it out. But we'll go on to the next track, which is one of the lovelier songs, The Night Was So Young. So young and never think still The moon shining bright On my window still I think of her lips It chills me inside and then I think, why does she have to hide? Is somebody gonna tell me why she has to hide? She's passing it by. She Way to open side two. Indeed. Well, it's a actually solar system open side two. So we're already in a oh. romantic mood ah. thinking about, you know, Venus, the goddess of love. To thank all the stars above. <laughs> yes, yes. Yeah, this is kind of a lost love song, right? Yeah, yeah. No, I mean, he, his marriage was uh, on the rocks at this point. He does sing a duet with his wife, who he would divorce less than six months after this album dropped. Um, yeah. Yeah. I mean, if, if you screw around with the cadence and stuff like this, like Brian Wilson becomes like a mumble rap. Uh, uh, yeah. Genius. Well, <laughs> one of the songs he did record for this album, but didn't make it till the next album, is called "My Diane," which you know is a a sweet, touching tribute to uh, Diane Rovell. The problem is his wife is Marilyn Rovell. Oh, oops. So was that her her mother? Uh, his sister. Sister. Yeah. Also one of Sorry the honeys who recorded the original version of "Good Time." Yeah. Huh. Um. And, and uh, I have a note that says uh, the Wilson brothers, they, they're all singing. Well, they all yeah. sing on most of the songs, but they're all taking lead turns, I think, yeah. on this one. Yeah. It's a very family affair. Yeah, yeah. 
It's yeah. a family affair. The Beach Boys should really cover Sly and the Family Stone. That would be great. Yeah. Check <laughs> out um, on Bandcamp. This was released, I think, last year. There's, uh, it's a family affair um, uh, with uh, uh, Bootsy Collins playing bass, uh, featuring uh, Iggy Pop on vocals, oh. which is a great, great cover of that. So. One of the one of the first <laughs> is that the that might be the first hit song to feature a drum machine as the primary it might rhythm be. thing. But do we know any other any other lost love songs? Because this was this just like thematically it just reminded me of other ones. I wonder if it was just the the um, I don't think it was the melody necessary. They bet yeah. you know I bet he's nice. So oh, that's like, the next track. Oh, that's the next track. Oh, never Shall mind. Shall we then. go on to it? Let's I think go on to that one. Yes, because yeah. the night is no longer young, and you know somebody is nice. Yes. Okay. Wouldn't it be nice? As nice as me, and it makes me cry. Cause I remember you and I. Tell me if it's true Because I'm still in love With you, pretty darling You, my pretty darling You can see the lyrics on this are a little more than your average You know, I love a girl, she loves me mm-hmm. But I'm not quite sure if he's, you know, being Having an epiphany here Or if he's, like, trying to manipulate like self-pitying, right? Right. Like, yeah. No, I bet he's nice. <laughs> don't don't tell me if he is. But you know, if he isn't, go right ahead and tell me. Yeah, that does seem to be a little bit of self-pity. Yeah, yeah, some sort of manipulation. Yeah. yeah. I don't know if it's intentional, but this was the song I was thinking of. You know, maybe something like uh, uh, which came out later, obviously, but the uh, not much later. Um, the cars, my best friend's girlfriend. Yeah. That kind of Jesse's girl. Yeah, yeah. That sort of that sort of thing. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Right. It's like. Uh, you lost someone who's you yeah. know better than you. Is um, she really going out with him? Right, right yeah. It's, it's not an uncommon Jolene. thing. Yeah, Jolene. Jolene. <laughs> yeah, well, Jolene's the prequel. <laughs> yeah. The, the arrangement on this really reminds me of like a, a Danny Elfman score or something. It's got some interesting or that beeps and boops and yeah. Beastie Boys uh, album we did a while back. Oh yeah, All the, the, the in sound from yeah, the out, yeah, yeah. way out or whatever. Yeah, yes, yeah, kind of. Yeah. Yeah, no, I, I love the sound of this album. It, the because it, those weird bleeps and bloops can be both honking down the highway or soft and lush like this. And mm-hmm. I like yeah, that. You know, if if the Wrecking Crew or some studio band was involved in this, all the rough edges would kind of be perfect. And I think it would on the be less interesting of their lyrical content and the. I mean, even the chord progressions, which are you know yeah. pretty stock, but dressed up a lot. Uh, yeah, some of the more interesting stuff might have just gotten fixed, yeah. and this would be way less interesting, potentially. Yeah, if it came out in, like, 65, and, you know, Brian was young enough where these lyrics weren't creepy, but you had the Wrecking Crew given it a nice <laughs> polish, I think this would have been just a average Beach Boys album. But with all the, the weirdness and idiosyncratic whatever you want to call it on there. It's, yeah, I can hear this sounding really weird. Especially at the time. Yeah, well, yeah, I mean, you're expecting, so is I don't it, know what from the Beach Boys, but not this. Is it more creepy having, how old's Brian Wilson now? In his late 30s? 30-something, 30 yeah. In that, in that 
you know, at this time period, right? Is it more or less creepy having him singing about, you know, uh, which sometimes is unclear, yeah. right? like as you said, is, Baby. He sing, is he singing about, you know, a young girl from the point of view of a young man, or yeah. is he talking about it, you know, what, yeah. you know, as, as an adult in a lecherous way, is that more or less creepy than, um, Lou Reed singing in the voice of a, you know, young prostitute around the turn of the At 20th century? At least that was clearly theatrical. Yeah. Yeah. You know, Brian, the next album he worked on that wasn't released, but did get finished was called adult child. Hmm. And it was mostly full of like big band, Frank Sinatra type arrangements. It mm. is adult child. Was yeah. that was that um, um, was that you know was that a big therapy music? Maybe the cover of I mean there is a know, song on there called "Hey Little Tom Girl." It is it's Ooh. worth seeking out, but yeah, if if you don't like this, don't listen to that. On the, yeah. on the Lulu, I was going to say Lou tends to own his uh, creepiness. Yeah, yeah. This this is that you can't tell what's intentional and what's not. Yeah, Lou has yeah. always been creepy, but he's been creepy Brian has you know it. seemed sunshine and and lollipops for well most of his career, particularly at this point. So yeah. Although honestly, I bet he's nice. But let's put our hearts together and see if Brian's wife can sing. I don't want to tell you that I care for you. And have you just ignore me? It's better that I wait and see just how you feel And maybe you'll adore me I know you've had so much experience That you don't need another person So yeah, that's... Apparently, this was not written as a duet, just Brian couldn't sing the higher parts, so he had to get his wife to uh, sing those lines, and as a result, the lyrics are uh, not really meant for the second person, which is why they seem kind of boastful and brightful. You always seem so great, you know, Brian. Yeah. Right, right, yeah. Yeah, well, it's kind of, you know... uh, uh, We'll leave each other never. Yeah, that's a little... That's a little disappointing. You know, you'd, yeah. you'd like to think it was some sort of, uh, you know, heartfelt. Altru- altruistic, you know, yeah. yeah. Yeah, you know, um, thing you're between. you put your hearts together, you should put your hearts together. Right, yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, you know, I, I, uh, I, I did, like I said, I don't know, I don't know much of the backstory, but it, it sounded, you know, I mean, when I saw this, that's his wife. I was like, you know, that, that perhaps they were closer than I thought they were. Um um, but didn't he? Isn't well. We're we're gonna get to that, right? Yeah. I mean, isn't there someone else involved in this picture? Like yeah. Well, said. that's apparently you know who's coming by when you know they spend the night together is someone else. But you know, apparently Marilyn and Brian were always and still are. I mean, any documentary you see about Brian, even to this day, Marilyn will show up and have good things to say, but mm, okay. honest, yeah, direct yeah. recollections. And, you know, they raise their kids together, but yeah. Well, that's, yeah. That's yeah. Positive. Yeah. Yeah, no. yeah. yeah. And, you know, she was in a girl group called the Honeys with her sister Diane and their, uh, I think their cousin, I don't remember her name, Blondie or Goldie or something. So. The Honeys. Yeah, because that's what you would call female surfers back in the 60s. Yeah. Did you say, oh, okay. Yeah, the yeah. Honeys. Um, Grab a honey and ride the, your uh, woody up to the. <laughs> 
Yeah, those were the days. <laughs> hey, now. Yeah, it's like I said, right? Yeah. But there's <laughs> there's, some, there's uh, something going on. Single there. entendre, <laughs> shall we say. Yeah, okay. Next thing you're going to tell me, uh, Tutti Frutti is an unsavory song. <laughs> the summer of 69 didn't actually take yeah. place in 1969. <laughs> but, um, <clears throat> so did they have a, did, did you say this? Did they have a hit, the Honeys? No, he just produced a lot of stuff for him and tried to get him hits. Mm, okay. He liked producing. So, you know, people just walking down the streets. He produced Jan and Dean's first hit because, mm. you know, he liked to produce. <laughs> oh, really? He produced Glenn Campbell's first song. For some reason, I thought Jan and Dean predated the Beach Boys. but They did, but they didn't have a hit until Brian came along and co-wrote and co-produced Surf City for him. Oh, all right. Before oh. he was able to write a hit for the Beach Boys, which his father really hated and beat him up for. Yeah. Hooray! That's why. That's probably why a lot of people mistake yeah, that song for yeah. a Beach Boys song, perhaps. Yeah, yeah. yeah. It, it's very Beach Boysy for a reason. Yeah, yeah. Hmm. Well, now the most confusing in terms of uh, the age of the song subject, I want to pick you up. I love to pick you up Cause you're still a baby to me Cribs and cradles and bottles and toys Part of the choice they bring I want to wash your face Change your clothes and button your shoes But, but, she's going to sleep, be quiet, pat Pat, 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 pat her on her butt Yeah So this is either a disturbingly infantilized lover or a disturbingly sexualized child don't kink shame scott okay yes <laughs> this is yeah that um well uh, sonically it is you can hear dennis's voice and brian's voices very clearly um you know and, and which uh, i kind of just enjoy that even though it, it is their voices are not as you know pure <laughs> and pure as yeah. they once were right but uh but you know they they have character to them. Yeah, yeah. yeah. No, they're they're still good singers. That's never yeah. been an issue. I mean, it's it's mostly just what is I, the I song know. about? It's like yeah, is it because lyrically it could be a nursery rhyme. Yeah, could be a sweet little lullaby. But is it? But it's not really a lullaby. Or it could be right? a very clever sort of you know investigation into the 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 term baby as a, a term of endearment and how it's really, you know, part of the patriarchy and it's putting, but I don't think that's what he's going for Let's either. Give it a lot of credit. <laughs> yeah. Well, that, no. that, might, that might be a subtext, a subtext that was unintentional. Yeah. I, I think someone maybe, could write a really cool yeah, yeah, song yeah. about, you know, Hey baby, no mama, you know, and sort of right, investigate yeah. what those terms mean in a, romantic relationship but yeah, are, are they just is are they just unaware of what, what? i think it's just that brian sees that rock songs are about teenage love so that's how he writes rock songs even though he was trying to write a love song to his daughter because hmm. that's what he says it's about it's about carney and will windy yeah hmm. so As infants i would hope yeah well they were yeah like five or three or i don't know how old they are when they were written yeah but yeah yeah huh you this just is... got to hold on for one more day. Huh. 
but yeah, something like giving them a bath and yeah, no, and, and uh, patting them on the butt. Right, right. Yeah, yeah no, yeah. I. It, it's yeah. If you're gonna have to lean one way or the other, I would go with the kid route because it's yeah, yeah. And if you're bathing and and washing the body, that's that's not cool. <laughs> no, and you know, unless he's like missing that from their yeah, maybe infancy, yeah. right? Yeah. You know, I suppose that you know. But yeah, if that's what you want to do with your wife, Marilyn, that's, uh, yeah. Oh, right, right, yeah. Hmm. I don't think you want to put that in a song, you know, stick that in Yeah, your... that's, that's, that's one of the problems with these songs being, you know, so like uh, literal minded. Yeah, like, and it makes me wonder if he'd hired like Tony Asher, who did the lyrics for Pet Sounds, to sort of uh, write the lyrics in a better way. Right, yeah. What yeah. they would have turned into, because yeah. that was basically Tony Asher's job is Brian would come up with the idea for lyrics. I'm like, I don't right. want to do a song about how I miss my ex. And he would be like, okay, well, let me turn Carol. I know into Caroline. No. And then, right. Right. Yeah. 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 That this is a, a, like a, they might be giant song about like a pet ferret or something. Indeed. It yeah. really is. <laughs> I want to pick you a, up. There's a crazy, weird, innocent, naive vibe to, all of these lyrics and some of them, I mean, when you, yeah, when you pair that with the fifties rock and roll songs are about screwing. And right. Right. So, so did he not notice I, that that's just, what those songs were about? I think he, there, he, there his mental capacity might've been. Overlap. Yeah. Just, yeah. He was, he was happy to be functioning, getting out of bed for a change, you know, not weighing 300 pounds, but down to a trim 285. Yeah, yeah. Oh, that's right. He blew up too, didn't he? Yeah. 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 Like a, yeah. Uh, like a balloon in a bare naked lady song. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, oh dear. Oh dear. <laughs> Speaking about lyrics with a lot of depth. Yes. <laughs> I can't wait. Over the city. In an airplane I can see everything below The houses, they look so tiny The cars look like dots Well, there you go. Why didn't Brian play drums on more songs? <laughs> Dude, the drum, in, the drums in this sound like the intro to a power ballad just a few years later. Yes. It, it yeah, goes that's what I'm saying. Isn't there, isn't there like a connection between this and, and uh, yeah. what is to come in the 80s? Yeah. 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 Just mm. done so much more smooth. And there's, a, there's a whole song after yeah. that. Yeah. Well, it doesn't stay the drum part for the, the entire tune. Yeah. Well, amongst the, you know, more, more unpleasant, uh, ways to travel yeah but it's you know it's definitely compensated by the speed in which you go is flying in an airplane yeah and and um he takes that experience and just describes it one thing after another yeah you sit in a chair you wear a seat belt there's a tray table you can't put it down i mean yeah it's like it's like this is this is it's not pleasant to be thinking about these things in that way, right? Yeah. You know, and, and there's there's certain things that are just very, very um, 
you know, you look out the window, the buildings look so small. Yeah. You know, and, and it's like, yeah, that's... That is an accurate uh, fact. Right? Description of, you know, flying yeah. in an airplane. Yeah. Um, airplane. <laughs> Air. Why didn't they use this as the theme from the movie? And there's, yeah, there are... There, there, yeah. Surely but, I must be joking. There are, there are more interesting uh, airplane songs, too. Um, but, um, uh, you know, um, but uh, the outro of this song is, I thought that was kind of cool. A lot of these songs have like a, a second tag or outro that's completely unrelated, yeah, usually yeah. fairly a cappella that I like. Well, you, even a couple of these songs, when they get to either a bridge or a chorus or something, just the arrangement or the vibe, changes. the complexity of things changes massively. And it's like, oh, that's. Much more interesting than what... <laughs> and this is the only song in the album that breaks the three-minute mark at three minutes and two seconds, I believe. It's the opus. So, the thought occurred to me, you know, there is another uh, uh, famous um, leader songwriter of a band that goes crazy, which was uh, Sid Barrett of the Pink Floyd. I, yeah. yeah. And, and, um, and, you know, his solo, his solo records have uh, a certain kind of... Um, uh, well, they have a different kind of charm. Yeah. But but they but they're they're interesting both because the instrumentation is stripped back. Yeah. And and lyrically they tend to get very um, almost childlike. Yeah. Right. And I think that uh, you know Sid still managed you know maybe because of his you know maybe because it was still a bit earlier. Right? Yeah. The late the sixties, early seventies. You know he still managed to to have a bit more, um, a bit more. Um, Liter- you know, there's a, a bit more literary content, yeah. right? You know, in terms of you know metaphor and and um, um, you know illusion or even the double entendres that yeah. kind of thing. But uh, this is a, um, but still, it's it's you know maybe this is the sound of um, musical genius going um, it, awry. <laughs> not not this one. But I, I was going to get to this in the wrap up, but I might as well mention it now. I I highly highly recommend people listen to. Uh, uh, Madcap laughs and uh, Pet sounds yeah. as, a, as a double feature. They are both uh, kind of front row seats to watching a, a, a musical genius lose lose their shit. Mm-hmm. Like they are a, a pretty intimate portrait of people, kind of of crazy people go, <laughs> going off the edge and and what they were creating at the time. Yeah. And one thing with the the lyrical content that you were kind of hinting at Matt was the Sid Barrett stuff tends to have a very nursery rhyme kind of quality to it. Mm -hmm. And not that it's any more with it or aware, you know, in the subject matter, but inherent to the nursery rhyme thing, there is much more complicated rhyme structure and, and wordplay and things than we're seeing anywhere in this whole entire album. Maybe in most of the, you know, the beach boy, you know, Brian Wilson output, so that's that's maybe why it's different, but yeah, you can really look at those two albums as kind of a light and dark <laughs> version <laughs> of 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 people, you know, seriously talented people, you know, their output as they start to really lose their grip. Right, right, and then but but Sid, yeah, that, no, that makes a lot of sense, and and I could see and, and those sw- two together. And but if similar, you, uh, the Sid one was was. Uh, um, Gilmore was produced that one, right? Yeah, the and Waters, they both. Yeah, yeah, and so both the Wrecking Crew and you know whoever's producing Pet Sounds and and you know early Beach Boys stuff and Roger and 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 uh, um, 
you know, Gilmore. Uh, yeah, yeah. And like it, they had to fight with Sid and Brian to get a, you know, it was a. I think they, it I was think they were because just, there yeah. was a gang of people making sure that shit got done and he's just trying to rein him in have it in control but yeah like you know sid never really recovers though he never he never you know comes back to music again well he does have a doctor dr landy yeah yeah yeah, so maybe maybe he needed that i don't know and that's Um, brian um, didn't have a producer brian produced these himself yeah so maybe maybe this is um him uh you know maybe this is maybe maybe it's maybe you know what you're saying with the you know comparing it to pet sounds maybe makes more sense maybe this is like brian coming out of it but I don't know, you know. Um, I, I think this is more of a, a brief gasp for air before going back down yeah, for another I think, five I think, years. I think he was yeah. resuscitated long enough to... Yes, yeah. And there might have been more more at stake financially involved. I'm not well, sure. Well, yeah, that's kind that. of why they brought him back was to get his name on 15 well, big yeah. ones. And then as soon as they saw how much it cost, they let like him go said, for another five years. Look yeah. at that discography, man. They just they keep putting stuff out. It's, yeah. I mean, because, you know, Pink Floyd eventually becomes more successful. Yeah. Right. Certainly financially. Right. You know, after, after Sid. You know, it takes a yeah. few years. Um, but they figure it out. The what? Beach Boys never really... Well, other than Kokomo. Other than Kokomo. Oh, yeah, yeah. Yeah, but, but you but, know, that took them a long, long time. Also, the uh, you know, Pink Floyd existed in the time when, you know, and this is after after Sid is out, um, you get, uh, you know, started by bands like The Who and Pink Floyd, big-ass corporate arena rock was mm-hmm. a thing. And I think a lot of those bands got famous, sold lots of records, and made lots of money on the road because they were selling out stadiums and stuff like that. And I don't know that the Beach Boys... No, they were know, never that. Like, that wasn't a thing. You yeah. know, they... And... You but Scott, they would often headline the festival circuit. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. But, and Scott might... You know, Scott definitely knows more about this than, than I do. But, you know, there are various... Uh, um, lineups and things, you know, the various ways yeah. they tried to package a live Beach Boys thing. It's mutated it, a it's, number of times. It's, uh, yeah, it's pretty dynamic over the yeah. years. Um, and so I don't know that they ever, you know, had they been in shape to do that, you know, as we get into the, the mid and late 70s where, you know, yeah. bands are playing arenas and things, I like I don't know that they could have kept it together enough to <laughs> no. do anything, you know, something that anyone would have cared to see in an arena. But Well, and even when you see uh, photos of the Beach Boys playing, they, there's usually, um, you know, you have the, you have the band, I guess. The members the of members, the band. They're sort of up front. Yeah. But then behind them is a real band. Yeah. yeah. Daryl right. Dragon, right. John Stamos. Yeah, including, <laughs> including, including a, you know, a drummer, right? You know, yeah, that, no, that, I so, mean. So it's like they, they uh, yeah, there's there's something. They are, they're. It's a different, it's a different kind of thing. It's yeah, old it's school show business, man. Yeah, it yeah, really perhaps. Is. Yeah. Like this is more, it's not a concert. It's a Beach Boys review. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Well, and that wasn't always the case. There was a point where, you know, Dennis broke his arm and Brian couldn't play on stage. So they had to get members in the band. But because they're in the band, they have to be on the album cover and on the album. So they got two guys from South Africa, oddly enough, from this South African band called Flame. There's a couple albums they did in the early 70s with these guys that oh, are interesting. fascinating. But yeah, if you want to hear like some R&B soul, you know, integrated version of the Beach Boys, there is some of that out there. Oh, that is, yeah, that is, yeah. So they, so there was... There but was then, a there was a point when they toured as a band. Is yes, what you're saying, kind of like, yeah, but it, it changed. Yes. I mean, Scott, I I don't know what your opinion on this is, but for me, it's always really helpful to think of the Beach Boys as 
a vocal, you know, if not a straight up boy band, just a vocal group, less than well, yeah, a they rock were not band, you instrumentalists, know, kind of, no. But yeah. you know, being a big fan of like the Monkees, I that's never bothered me. So. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Or you know, most of Motown, it's you know, yeah. The Temptations were not the Clash. You know, yeah, you know. But shall we move on to the very, very last song, and and figure out what love is, or at least what gender love is. Love is a woman, so treat her tenderly tonight. Love makes a woman, so give her all your love tonight. So, does Brian Wilson know what a metaphor is? <laughs> like, um, love is a woman, but you'll also find that a woman is love. So if you yes. treat her right, she might take you home tonight. So if you treat love right, love will take you home. Or if you treat a woman right, she will fall in love with you. Or do you tell love that she smells nice tonight? And how do you do that? No matter what, you gotta tell. You gotta tell whichever it is that they smell nice. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Uh, this has to have been used in uh, uh, dr- some drag performers routine. Yeah, right? that is that is such like, a. Yeah. I want I want to rip on the the, the regressive uh, <laughs> sex politics of this, but I know this has been used spectacularly. For I, I don't even know if it's regressive <laughs> as much as it's just confused. Yeah, I'm not sure yeah. what he's saying. This this uh, treater whole... right tonight treat. Love right well, or treat you, the you, woman you right, love. You can have all of that, but but there's also sort of a there's a there's like a, a consequence, right? It says love yeah. is a woman, therefore yes. you should tell her she smells nice. Yeah. Right? Like what is So yes, if love were a man, you should uh, pick him up at a bar and buy him a beer. Yeah. <laughs> it also seems to imply that only men can love or only straight men can love. Straight yeah, men and yeah, gay women. Because, yeah, yeah. you know, love can't be a man because nobody's going to love a man, which is, again... Which he might. When I was... He, I don't know. The other day, the thought that kept popping into my head that I, I kind of have not stated earlier is that the lyrics about this, if it's a, a relationship song or a love song at all, it reminds me of, like your grade school buddy who was telling you about sex, who clearly had no idea. Like, yes. totally seen boobs, dude. Yeah. Gotta, there's that like, green part that you, connects the yeah, two. And <laughs> yeah. Like that's the, yeah. I, mean, I want to call it like naive, but it's just, it's this childlike weird, like I totally know how sex works, dude. Yeah. <laughs> I touch my butt with her butt and then a baby comes that's, out. That's right. It really does. <laughs> it's like you seem you seem confused, man. He's like, no, 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 no. I saw. No, no, no. I read it in my dad's Playboy. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, uh-huh. yeah. I was gonna say this is other than "Good Time," the weakest song on the album. The fact that it ends the album with this has always been my my one quibble with this album. Really, yeah. still the the kind of faux accordion kind of yeah. sounding thing that's going on. I guess that's an organ. You yeah, know, it it's a, probably some sort of It organ. sounds kind of, I don't know. The, the I'm, sound I'm okay is, with the way this, I'm, yeah. I'm okay with with what he plays. It's, yeah, you know, oh, yeah, yeah, it's yeah. great. That way in the, the call and response, uh, kind of classic Brian Wilson yeah. uh, harmony stuff going on. Um, 
It really makes me uh, um, want to listen to uh, uh, Mr. Bungle's California, as that has yeah. quite a bit of Mike Patton doing his mutated version of exactly this. <laughs> One, two, three, two, three. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> oh. It's so interesting, too, though, that I think, like with the Beach Boys, you know, this album in particular, maybe all their albums, I don't know. Um, the vocals are critical. Yes. They're an absolutely critical part of the music, but but it seems like the lyrics are are not. <laughs> yes, right. Which which is which is which is weird to me, right? It's like you know, like why, like well, if if the if the if the if the vocal if the voice's instrument is such an important part to the music, shouldn't they have something to say? Right, shouldn't they have something to say? But I guess maybe maybe not. Maybe that's just not important. It's distracting. Yeah, yeah you yeah. can't listen to the harmonies if you're busy being wowed by metaphors about how love is more than just a woman yeah, yeah. And treat her nice I'll, I'll bring up, a, up again we won't do it a third time or we'll open a portal or something but i mean frank zappa was pretty famous for just saying yeah i prefer to not write any words to this shit yeah yeah, yeah. Like, but people insist that it be there so people i will hear it yeah and you know he had a little he had a lot more fun with his Although he was content big on vocal harmonies too, yeah, right? yeah. I mean, cruising with Ruben, yeah, yeah. yeah. But I mean, I think he had stated a bunch of times that he was like, if if it wasn't compulsory, it wouldn't, I wouldn't have words right, to right. this. Yeah, yeah, I would why, just, yeah. you know, there needs to be a sound. That's just you know a voice doing a thing here, but it doesn't need to have. But say people anything, insist, yeah. so I will. Rock, Oblige yeah. them. Yes. Rock music demands vocals. Right? Yeah, so yeah. Bobby Brown, uh, fine. Yeah, <laughs> and so it's his prerogative. I, you know, I, I think the. Well, I don't know. Yeah, Brian Wilson's just a, a crazy, crazy dude. Uh, yeah, and uh, this is what. I, well, and I, I can't say that I would prefer anything else to happen. It wouldn't be the same. You know. Yeah. No, I mean, you know, thing. starting in the late 80s, he had a solo career. He's put out a number of solo albums. None of them has he done this with. He always has another lyricist, other people playing the instruments, usually a co-producer, you know, sometimes Joe Thomas, who's just a wrestler, but dear God, co-produced a couple of his records. And they're not nearly as good or as interesting as this one. Hmm. Makes me wonder if there hadn't been a Beach Boys, and this had just come out under Brian's name, would it be like, you know, Daniel Johnson or Wesley Willis or the Shags or people would discover it as some sort of weird underground artifact of yeah, outsider yeah. music? Well, and, and when we didn't we didn't uh, mention this before, at least I don't remember it, that the uh, the working title for this was Brian Loves You. Yeah. Right. So it was. Yeah. Uh, it was meant to be a, a solo album. It was meant to be the right. love album. And then and then it became the Beach Boys love you. Yeah. And then it was just love you. Yeah. Right? Yeah. And so so yeah. And 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 what you're saying too about that the underground thing. Apparently this album um, didn't. You know, like you said, probably lack of marketing was a big part of it as well. But yeah. didn't sell particularly well. And and also, um, but there are. Um, you know, relatively well-known uh, musicians who who cite this album as being very influential to them. Yeah, it's got a cult following, as they like, say. Uh, Sonic Youth, I think, and yeah. Patti Smith and others, right? You know, um, people who wouldn't be caught dead listening to you know Shut Down or Surfer Girl. Right, right, yeah, yeah. They they see this as being you know just you know very avant-garde 
in, yes. in some way. Um, and, and, you know, like, like, uh, you know, like when, you know, I mentioned Sid Barrett before too, it's like, for whatever reason, his lyrics, his lyrics kind of, um, they, they speak to me in a way these don't, but if I really break it down, like, like you said, I think they, they do more with meter and rhyme. That's, that's very true, but they're, they're kind of, they're kind of stupid. Right, you know, there's the, the you octopus know, ride, yeah, yeah, yeah you know. know. So, so yeah, octopus ride is is, well, those, those, is you know, it's a little it, it, gibberishy, it, right? And it's more you know, but it's it's uh, you know, it's long, it's along the lines of airplane. It's just yeah. get it's just a little better, right? Yeah. In terms, you know, lyrically, I mean, you know, so so that that uh, it's less a uh, literal literal yeah. minded, nursery you know. rhymes are right. created to help you memorize. <laughs> right, right, shit. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. So you know, and they they contain just enough wordplay and complexity to get some just yeah. random, you know, stuff me- remembered. memorized. Yeah. Like something yeah. boring to stick in your brain and, you know, in your memory. So, but yeah, they're fun, yeah. but ultimately kind of dumb. <laughs> this, this might be deeper, I guess, if yeah. you <laughs> really picked at it. So I guess, does there any final thoughts on this before we, cause this, shall we say, is part of a, a diptych, and uh, in like two weeks, we'll be dropping another album for the August of Summer celebration of the Beach Boys here on yes. Tours and Outliers. Yeah. So, if you if you you like Brian without the Beach Boys, let's figure out what uh, the Beach Boys without Brian sounds like. But before we get to that, um, what do you think? Is this a I mean, this is, is this a good place? You didn't listen to the Beach Boys. Is this a good place to start with the Beach Boys? Well, I think, you know, if you're, if, uh, if you're like, well, that's the, that's the big, good question. I, yeah. I would think, I would guess this is not particularly representative of, of the Beach Boys um, material. Um, if you're like me and, and you want, you want to hear, you know, I want to know more about what, what, um, what the composer really wants. And, and uh, it seems to me that, that, uh, you know, that, that, Brian has his stamp all over this and maybe the execution isn't always, you know, up to par with their legacy. I would say I would, you know, I would say, you know, I I think I'm, I think I'm speaking the truth. I've only heard a couple, right. But this is, this is the best one I've heard. So, so I like it a lot, but, but I would think that if you're expecting, you know, if you're expecting, you know, um, California girls or, or, um, fun, 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 right. Fun, fun, fun. Right. Um, and, um, um, yeah, you know, um, and even good vibrations, right? You know, this is, uh, that's not going to, that's not going to float. Not going to cut it. No. Yeah. I, I would start with surfer girl or pet sounds and, and, and keep in mind when they're from. Yeah. Cause the, there's some important context to, you know, when s- some of the crazy Brian Wilson dense harmony stuff was really revolutionary. That's like more than a decade before this. Yeah. Um, and so it's, I think it's important to have the context of, of what they were up to early on and how they progress and also what other music was going on when they were, when they were new. Cause I think the, the beach boys and Brian Wilson have this effect that a lot of like really important bands do is that everybody starts to copy them. Um, and so if you listen to it out of context, you're it's like, what's the big deal about this? Everything sounds like, sounds like this. And without the context that, everything started to, you know, sound like that, trying to copy this one, you know, this first thing that's, uh, you don't, you can, you can be underwhelmed by some things that everybody makes a big deal about. And I, um, so yeah, I'd recommend those. I think they're, 
They're good. This is awesome too. And I, I think one of the reasons that people like Patty Smith and, um, you know, Sonic youth, but, uh, the beach boys are a big way into more classical leaning harmony. Um, and it's a way in through rock and roll for people who are raised on, on blues based rock and roll rather than having a jazz or classical background. And so I think it's, it's an approachable music for songwriters who are steeped in more folky and rock and roll stuff to discover how some of that stuff works. That's pretty elementary in classical music. Yeah. But if you weren't raised doing that, then you've just never heard. Yeah. Stuff like, yeah, a half diminished chord or, you know, things like that, that are, you know, pretty, pretty basic yeah, yeah. harmonic ideas, but like they never ever exist in rock and roll or, you know, a, a folky music. So if you're hearing a four part harmony demonstrating it for the first time ever, it's probably blowing your mind. So, Oh, right. And in, in, in the kind of rock in, context, in, in, yeah. in a rock and roll. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah, no, so, that, yeah. That, that definitely makes sense. It's almost, and it's almost, there's, you know, it's not just like classical voice leading stuff. It's, I think it's probably more tied to big bandy kind of arrangement mm-hmm. stuff. The four freshmen, if you've ever heard the four freshmen. Yeah, before before we do sign up, that is a question I wanted to ask all of you that I forgot to ask um, all of you um, before I um, uh, before I forgot before I forget is that um, does any of this remind you at all of the um, of the Frank Sinatra album that we did where he does that sci-fi opera well, kind of thing? Well, that solar trilogy? system song, yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. No, I was just thinking sort of like like the way the the, the lyrics seem to be not. Uh, linear right right yeah right that didn't quite quite like um almost almost like an like a like an afterthought or yeah. something right just yeah. a, a vehicle through which you could you know hang a voice right exactly yeah wasn't well, that, that's a very lou reedy kind of thing isn't it yeah, yeah. even though lou's not really a singer a singer yeah he's not yeah, really yeah. singing yeah that's what i was gonna say uh but, but uh, yeah that's a thing we've seen before or you know and then, and then one other one other thing too was that I think this is this album uh, is is probably important if you're interested in the Beach Boys in terms of their their development. Yes. Oh yeah. Because this is definitely a fork in the road because yeah. um, things go off in very different directions. Yes. Yeah, the sliding glo- glass door has closed, and yes. we're going in a direction. But yeah. well, is there anything we need to plug first? This will be. August. Uh, I think live music is is starting to a thing again. It's starting to heat up, and uh, I just would um, hope everyone would go see as much as they can while they can. Yes. Oh, and on the detoursandoutliers.com website, I have a blog where I've been giving like one hour introductions to various bands and whatnot. So if you want to learn about the Beach Boys, I have like a five part blog series with attended Spotify playlist that'll sort of Ooh. slowly guide you through their discography. So it's, mm. it's on there. If you're, if you want to learn more about them, I would suggest starting with smiley smile. If you like, you know, the uh, Sid Barrett stuff and you don't like the endless summer stuff, because okay. that's an interesting smiley smile, smiley smile. It's the album they did instead of smile. They worked forever on this album that was really complicated and intricate called Smile, and it didn't happen. And then Sgt. Pepper came out, and they went, oh, shit, we should have done that. So they recorded a new version of it really quick with just like a Hammond organ in Brian's basement. Wow. It is cool. strange and yeah. drug-fueled. Well, sounds like I would like that. Yes, yeah, I think a, you would really uh, like that. Um, 
uh, parallel to that, isn't there? Is that Opal is the, the Sid Barrett one that's yeah. kind of like all the outtakes of... of yeah, the first two. That's what, You can really get a sense of just how, like, what hell Roger and, <laughs> and, yeah, and, and Gilmore uh, were even and trying Roger to get a, a finished <laughs> yeah. product out of... Right, and this was their friend. They're probably just pulling their hair out. Like, dude, like, come on. Well, you're not <laughs> worth all this hassle. Gotta, <laughs> I mean, I, I appreciate what you started here, but really, dude. You gotta meet us halfway here, man. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And I guess with that said, this will be no surprise, but next week we'll try and figure out who this is. Surf and sand, no way.